0: For this episode, I've got my third racing car driver with me uh, after Kiwi, Brennan Hartley first up and then Sopho van Dorn, got another Kiwi in Mitch Evans, so uh, definitely something in the water down there, Mitch, what are you guys drinking? <laughs> Some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's uh, nice to sit down and chat with uh, mates as well. I think that makes it a lot easier because then we can just uh, chew the fat and, and talk through a lot of things we don't get to talk about because we do talk about our races from week to week but we don't really go back to the early days so like i did for Staff and ben and had to do a little bit of research to see where you guys came from because uh, i'd never uh, met you until a couple of years ago so i had to kind of go back through the years and yeah. actually even discover that you've got a, a brother the races as well i didn't even realize that until i researched through the assignment yeah so was yeah well it's gonna be good taste to see uh if you found some good stuff about me online or yeah i think so yeah. <laughs> well it's interesting because um i'm come from uh, a racing in as well then so um, you and Simon this year you were racing at the same event in, in Saudi then that must have been uh, pretty cool when was the last time you guys uh, raced in the same day before that?
1: It's been a while it's been yeah we were teammates um, back in 2008 in Formula Ford and then we were when I was still racing in New Zealand we were still competing on the same weekends but I was doing more single seater stuff he went on to sort of Porsche Carrera Cup, New Zealand's and then onto V 8s from there, um, so yeah. Once he came and did the um, Jaguar E Trophy Championship as a sport category to Formula E, that'd be, be like a massive drought between um, between the two. So that was that was wicked for uh, for our family because it's the first time they've they've experienced that in a while and at a really high level as well on international stage. So um, and both the same brand, which is pretty cool as well. So that was special and it'll be cool if he can um continue that championship you know this coming season which which starts in uh, november again in saudi so uh yeah it's it's cool to have have that family support but um to have like I, I can imagine for my parents to have two two sons at that sort of level raising against against you know some really you know in these really competitive championships but on an international stage is pretty uh pretty amazing so uh
0: that's how it doesn't stop. Yeah, you had a hell of a year this year as well then with the Jaguar team, so finished up fifth overall and getting that first win in, in Rome and seeing uh, you on the podium together with uh, Stoffel and, uh, and Andre. That was uh, nice when the three of you guys up there it was a pretty cool event.
1: Yeah, I mean, this this season's been, uh, you know, season five, we just obviously finished, but it's been a, a real sort of turning point for me. Um, the The previous two seasons in Formula E were, were strong, but we weren't really in a position to really fight hard for, for say race wins and, and podiums consistently. Um, I I came into the into the into the series with Jaguar when they first started up when they brought the license and and the team and I was one of the first first drivers. I was I was the first driver along with, um, uh, actually Northern Irishman uh, Adam Carroll. Yeah. And we were, we were the first two to, uh, to sign up to the program. And we had a really tough year that first year. We had a really compromised powertrain and stuff. And, and luckily, fortunately for me, um, you know, the, the team saw some sort of potential and, and they, they kept me on for a second season. Uh, in season four, we, we got off first pole, got off first podium, but we sort of, we were still quite inexperienced from an operational point of view. And we have we, quite a few results slipped through our fingers um which were brutal at the time but it just we learned so much from those mistakes which then we could you know put into 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 the last season and, and we've really come of age and and the guys have, have been working so hard um so to reward them finally with a with a victory and then to back that up with some podiums as well to finish off the season as a title contender you know going into the last race but to finish up fifth was a bit you know bittersweet but uh you know looking at the bigger picture it was it was a great season for us and um it's just super proud to because they've given me a massive opportunity and and for the, to reward them with a with a good win um and just to you know to keep keep you know pushing the team forward and and um with their support has been amazing so uh yeah
0: hopefully uh, hopefully more of that next season well, that says all about Formula E. the fact that you went into the last round. With the chance of winning this idol and end up fifth and that's why it's such a bloody good show to watch now it really is and i, I gotta be honest when it first came on the scene i think i was like one of the old petrol heads and say ah oh, no uh, you know Formula let uh let's not go that way but now i love it because it's a, such a great entertainment and they're doing such a great job with it for me to tune in on a saturday and, and watch it you don't know who's gonna win and that's something that so like so Formula One is, is definitely lacking right now, so Formula E is getting bigger and bigger every year and better and better drivers, so it's it's really cool to watch now.
1: Yeah, well I guess, you know, every sport, doesn't matter if it's motorsport, Olympics, rugby, you name it, you want you want you don't wanna know who's gonna win. Um and I think that's very unique for Formula E in motorsports. Um I think most categories you have always have a a clear favorite um but informally um, you know the way that the regulations been designed um it's relatively tight but there is still a bit of freedom for the manufacturers to to uh you know to play with and then trying to get an, an advantage and um as a result of that we've had you know in the first seven races uh we had you know seven different winners which is which was mental so Um, and then going into the last round, we've had, um, we had like six or seven drivers able to win the
0: championship, which is also That's entertainment, isn't it? It's great.
1: Yeah. So it's absolutely, um, yeah, for us, it's obviously a lot more stressful, but also, you know, every time you get in the car, every race week, and you've got a shot at victory or a solid result. So, um, I think that's, that's really cool for everyone involved and especially the drivers because you you can get into positions in your career where you don't really have the chance of winning or, or yeah, it can be the other way as well but um, you know at least informally in, in e, if you do a good job you know from a driver's point of view if you do a good lab and you know you perform on the day uh, you know you, you can walk away with a, with a really nice result. so yeah at the moment the the, the formula of you know that that formally sort of created is, is, is working really well it's still a young championship they're still finding their feet with a few things, but um, it's definitely on the right direction and it's it's probably one of maybe two or three championships
0: that's actually really growing in the world, which is uh, quite unique at the moment. And you are still only 25 which is incredible you're eight years younger than me and you do know how to win championships you've won uh, quite a few through your career so that's something that'll that'll serve you because getting in the final round of the championship some of those other guys mightn't have been in that position before where you've had that in your career and that's a different kind of pressure i don't think people realize that whenever you first have that on your shoulders you don't even realize it's going to be tough until you go into it and then once you're at the track in that last round it's you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders so I think the experience that you have, um, it's got to help you in that sort of position. Some of the other guys might not have been in that uh, championship winning position before, but you, um, always through your career, how many times have you won titles? I mean, (laughs) just looking at, it's fascinating what I see right through your career. and You're the first guy I think I've spoken to that is one of these guys that, um, you know, youngest to win a championship, youngest to do this, youngest to do that. So uh, that's why I was interested to speak with you. Because um, I'm always fascinated with in our sport, especially four four wheels and two wheels, the whole thing of talent versus hard work, and that's an interesting one for me. So you started out when you were six years old in carts, and um, what do you think um, enabled you to to do things earlier than other drivers were doing? Because um, you you must have had some natural talent in you, but. Whenever you were racing at first, were you watching your brother beforehand or what What kind of helped you along in the initial stages? Well, initially
1: I actually was watching my father. Um, he was, you know, he was a massive role model for me. Uh, my dad was, was seriously talented. He was very, very quick. Um, he was racing, you know, back home, but he was also racing on an international stage. Uh, he qualified for Le Mans in 96. Uh, with the New Zealand team. as a bit of a wild card entry. Uh, and he actually came back to New Zealand because back in the day, you know, Le Mans used to qualify a few weeks before the race, where now it's, uh, you know, it's obviously a couple of days apart. He went back home to do like a, a land speed record on an open road in New Zealand, which is very hard to come by to, to set a land speed record. And he, he broke the record, but on one of his final attempts, he had a massive accident and he had a right rear, puncture at at sort of at v-max speed and um it was in a really bad way for many months he almost lost his life but um it was it was extremely close of him losing his life it was it was a big big uh big moment for my family especially my mum. um i was i was very young i was i was born in 94 so i was just just um you know just under two years old when this happened and um the fact that she's you know, going through all that. And my dad actually went back racing after that, won many championships back home and and still had a really good career. When I was when I was growing up, that was the, the, the point where I was sort of um, you know, obviously could realise what what he was doing. You know, when I was around three, four years old, I was always going to his races. Um, he would take me out of school and I would travel with him and his team in New Zealand and and, and, and just get and I was just I was sort of just absorbed in it from a very young age. So um, I always looked up to my dad massively as a, as a, as a racer, but also as a human being. So uh, yeah, he, he got me into it really young. So my brother started when he was seven. Uh, he's a few years older than me. And I, I had a couple of goes in his go-kart around, you know, early when I was like, a f- in my early years of, you know, around five years old, let's say maybe in late when I was, yeah, let's say f- the later part of my fourth year of, of being on Earth. which is uh where were you before that? (laughs) I was swimming around (laughs) um and made it out unfortunately uh so yeah so I I I I was thrown in the deep end big time and yeah so I I had a few goes but legally you can't race until you're until you're six years old which is quite common around the world in in go-karts but I was always around older people so once I was, you know, six, seven, eight, I was, I won a big championship when I was seven. And that sort of, I guess was a quite a big turning point for me quite early on, obviously in my, in my carding, um, carding life. But I think I really got a, a bug for the, for, you know, for the competition side and, and, and for winning and, and how that felt. And I guess that just evolved into, into bigger things. And I guess from there, you know, there was obviously some sort of talent there to uh, to be able to, you know, have, you know, there to, for my dad to keep obviously investing in his time and and um, obviously a bit of money as well, because karting's not cheap. And uh, yeah, I won quite a few things in, in, in go-karts. I wouldn't say I was the strongest go karter. I was very competitive, you know, there was only. I would say a few of us back home um, that were like sort to of top shelf. And I would, I would put myself in that category, but there was definitely other guys, you know, that were were, were mega, mega carders. Um But I think I really found my feet once I left go karts. So after going to the world champs in Rotax in 2007, I was the youngest ever to go there um, at 13. And then once I got into Formula. Formula 1st, um, but I would say once I actually got to Formula Ford when I was um, sort of 13 and a half, that's when I really found my, I felt like I was really at home in, in, in a racing car environment rather than a go-kart environment. So yeah, from there I started winning a lot of races um, and, and the championships started coming then as well. I had some really competitive years in Formula Ford and that sort of progressed and I was able to find sponsorship to go to Australia which was like a Formula Ford Australia was like was you know it's been renowned as one of the most competitive championships from our part of the world for, for many years a lot of the V8 drivers a lot of top top um you know V8 drivers that went almost got to Formula One you know and to get to Formula One like like Sir Mark Webber um because like James Courtney who were test drivers you know Will Davison they were they came from this sort of this level and I got second. I was, I was, um, I was only 14 years old. Um, I turned 15 throughout the year and I uh, got second that sort of from there I got, you know, picked up by some good sponsors and, and which, which led me to, you know, start, uh, start my Wings and Six career back home and, um, in, in Formula Toyota, which is, uh, is our premier championship in New Zealand yeah. and yeah, winning, winning, in, in Formula Formula Toyota in two thousand and ten, and then also in two thousand and eleven, that sort of leapfrogged me um, to be able to get the opportunity to come to Europe, which which was uh, which was down to some amazing sponsors that have supported me for my whole life, um, which is the Gilchap family back home, and also Mark Webber, he he picked me up um, from a young age, and that's when I got the
0: opportunity to come over to Europe. Yeah, what age were you then? Because uh, Sam, uh, same. Thinking back to what age you were, how were you managing the job of school and um, thinking about going to Europe? Well, that's a big undertaking to go to the other side of the world. Yeah, well, obviously I was
1: spending a lot of time out of, out of school and I was not complaining about that. I wasn't, I was, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not really, uh, overly book smart, I would say. I, I, I found school really tough. I guess probably because I I never spent much time there. Um, Plus when I was there I was not really interested. You know, I was, <laughs> I was always thinking, dreaming about racing. You know, I, I never saw it as a, as a way of, of progressing my career, you know, further. Um, I guess there's other, you know, there's, there's probably things I look back that I probably should have focused on more and maybe been in physics and other languages. Um, but I, I, I didn't know, obviously I was going to be coming this far, but yeah, once, once it got to the point for me to quit school, which when I was 16, um, I thought it was the best day ever because <laughs> it was it was obviously a, it was a big moment for me. I, I left school at a really young age. You know, obviously, I had school friends. We didn't have the same interests, but I also had, you know, friend mates at school. They were obviously progressing on to the next two years of, 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 of high school. Then, obviously, it had, you know, goals to go to university. I was not interested in any of that. So, um, you were already thinking... I want to
0: have a go at making a career out of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, once, I think when I was, once I was around sort of, you know, 13, once I got into cars, I think I was, um, I really was addicted to it. And then once I had some really strong results in Oz and then, you know, the two championships in New Zealand, I was, uh, I I was ready for it. And, you know, obviously being picked up by Mark, Um, you know, once, you know, obviously, Brendan was actually one of the biggest ones. Scott Dixon, who was, who was also in the States, was a big sort of role model for us. But I was not interested to go to America. Um, you know, When I was that young, I was, I was Formula One focused. And Brendan was the first one from our, our waters to really leapfrog himself over here and, and, and um, do well for himself and, and put, I guess, our, our little country on the map, because he, he did pretty well when he first came over. So I sort of wanted to follow his footsteps in a way, and and um, yeah, and and that's that's what my pure focus was. So yeah, quitting, you know, finishing school when I was when I was sixteen, moving to Europe. Um, I was living in the UK, and I was yeah on my own. My mum came and lived with me for, for three months, just to teach me the ropes of life, <laughs> wash my undies, cook food that is not going to poison me, um, just things that I. I was so out of my depth with because at, at, at that sort of age you're just not you're just not prepared for that so yeah it was it was that uh, those that first twelve months me was this is two thousand eleven was was uh, extremely testing from a from a lot of from a lot of points the racing side was totally fine like I was you know I came in I was I was on the pace straight away I was you know racing against guys like Bottas yeah. um, I won my second race in Barcelona probably and the youngest
0: driver to do so sorry were you the youngest driver yeah, to I was do the youngest, so yeah I
1: was the youngest to get pole <laughs> that race and youngest to win and the following round in Valencia I actually, I actually had a podium and I I, was, I took the lead of the championship that so that was in GP3 you GP3, you you three, yeah. In GP3 yeah sorry, GP3 yeah right sorry I didn't mention that but yeah this is, this is in GP3 and I was I signed with um, so this is going back a little bit more further I, I signed with Mark Webber
0: yeah.
1: um, and his management and he uh, he invested um, and, and me to come over to Europe. I went straight into his GP3 team. Um, he had an association with uh, Arden, which yep. is Christian Horner's uh, junior team. And they had a tough first year in GP3. GP3 started in 2010. I came in 2011, got their first win in in, two th- in, uh, in round two, which was amazing. I was leading part to the championship. Um, didn't win the championship. I had a strong year, obviously, but I was so young, you know, so from, from the racing side, it was all, it was all great, but I guess off track was maybe a little bit trickier. Um, I never, I got homesick, I guess, not to the point where I had to go home and, you know, I was crying and, you know, I was, you know, I, I wasn't in that sort of state, but I think at that age, you know, you're, you just, things are going so quick. Um, you're in a complete foreign country. like as in the UK, it was in English speaking, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel at home at all. You know, it was so different to what I was brought up, how I was brought up, um, and I guess I was looking forward to going home. You know, during that year, I went home twice, uh, just because I I just needed to just to see family and and stuff. So that was that was tough, and I think Mark would probably say that they sort of question why I'd be you know why I was wanting to go back. You know, sometimes and. That was quite tough at some stages but once i got past that first year obviously maturity levels went through the roof for my age and um i sort of found my feet and, and and the racing side more importantly was was going well so yeah we went for a second year in GP 3 and won that year um so i was, I was champion in that which was amazing I was with mark's team and uh yeah and had a few opportunities uh, you know after that but obviously that was uh that was a real. Looking back, that was a huge moment for me. Um, obviously, I knew it at the time, but you look back and you realize, crikey, that was a you know a pivotal point in my life. Um, the season was was looking. I was the strongest, say the strongest driver, but it never really unfolded well throughout the year. i you know had wins and stuff like that, but I had a lot of DNFs and it wasn't such an easy finish. Um, yeah, the last the last round of Monza was was just scary how that i almost lost it only one yeah, by three points tough. it was tight um but fortunately you know had enough points in the bag to uh, to to win and then uh then from there i got a it was it was all about finding the funding to then move up to gp2 so that was tough you know
0: gp is a very expensive category um and mark weber was still racing in f1 at this time so um yeah how was that working with your relationship um, for him looking after your career, managing you? Was it mainly about trying to seek sponsorship to, to make the step up to GP2 then? It
1: was, it was you know, broader So It was um, a lot of mentoring. I was living with Mark in, in the UK oh, okay. um, and Anne, his, his wife. So I was very close to them on a daily basis and obviously traveling with them to most of the races that I was, um, you know, because GP3 was a support category to F one so you know with mark's guidance and and how you know fast forwarded my let's say expectations um knowledge you know what to expect uh, you know in in different circumstances um so much you know i i can't it's, it's hard to sort of put a value on it because it was it was pretty pretty amazing the the you know the sort of reassurance but also just little things that helped me so much you know from the living side but also obviously the racing side um learning tracks how to deal with you know these sort of new environments which are obviously a new you know completely different level to what i was at you know in uh in new zealand so um and then obviously on the other side he was a manager from you know trying to find sponsors and negotiate with teams and stuff like that so it was everything, you know, to me at that, at that point, um, which was, which was incredible. And, and my, my dad was probably one of the biggest guys in terms of finding sponsors for me from once I left go-karts, you know, he, he found all, all all my sponsorship, um, which was, is incredible. You know, looking back now, I try and find sponsors for myself and, you know, you, you know, probably from a personal level how difficult that is. So, yeah to find sponsors for me, um, cause I, you know, my, my family, you know, that they're, they're comfortable, you know, but they're not, we're not in a position to be funding, you know, you know, for more four, for more three GB3 championships. So, um, you know, dad was, was incredible from that side and yeah. So to find the one point, my first year was 1.3 million euro Um, for for GP3 sorry for GP2
0: was
1: was really tough was extremely tough Um, and looking back now that was actually the the toughest when I look back at my career and and why I didn't make it to Formula 1 whether I'll get stick for saying this or not but that was probably the one thing I do regret in my career so far which I do Think about a lot um, is the team, you know, my, I was too loyal basically. I went with the team I won GP3 with, yeah. um, I went with them in GP2, but we had a, and I had an option to go with the, the champions from the previous year, which was Dams. And I, it was a bit cheaper to go with, with Arden as well, but I opted to go for them just through, through loyalty and, and they gave me the championship in, in GP3 but ultimately the performance was not there. And if I had any shot to get to Formula One, I needed to come in from, you know, obviously the GP3 championship in 2012, and I needed to either win or do well, you know, do extremely well, like, you know, fight for the championship, multiple race wins. And I did extremely well, I believe, for what I had. I got put in my first round, got two ponies in Monaco, and got another podium later in the year. I destroyed my ex- my more experienced teammate who's won multiple races. Um, but ultimately, it was, it was not it was not like I was in the headlines every weekend. So I, yeah, it was it was a tough tough year for me because I, I knew I you know I, I didn't know that. That was a massive point for me to ever ever reach my ultimate dream, you know, to massive impact and, and get there on pure merit. So I went, I, I was in GB three for another three years, um, sorry, GB two for another three years, which was, um, pretty, was not part of the plan. Let's say I got a great opportunity after that, after that season in 2013 to race for a Russian team, um, Russian owned team, uh, they British run from from uh, from the UK, and I had two seasons where I didn't pay any budget. Right. So, if I wanted to go with a team like ART, um, that were sort of dominating the sort of the junior formula since you know two thousand six, two thousand seven with Lewis, Nico Rosberg, Hulkenberg. You know they just destroyed everyone. Um, you know, along with dams, you know you're looking at towards two million euro, which was just not going to happen. So I got a great opportunity to race for Russian time, which I didn't have to bring any budget, which was a huge thing for me. That was the only way for me to get on the grid. And I was finally for the, for the championship, um, in, in 2014, um, got my, got quite a few wins podiums, but ended up finishing fourth in the end. It was, it was pretty tight championship. And then I got another year with them, but, in the back of my head, I knew my sort of F1 hopes were sort of over, but I had to try to make the most of what I had. So I did it another year in 15 and then another year in 16, um, which I had some great results in 15, 16, not so much. Um, but that was a really dark time actually in my life. So, yeah, it was it was not great because I knew, you know, the, the writing was on the wall, that was not going to happen for me. I got so far and it was just like, yeah. The most important step, you know, I've I won so many things up until that, to that point. But the most important step out of all of them, I
0: couldn't, I couldn't. Um, you can almost say it was like the, the, the final piece of the puzzle because it is clear, like through your career, what you did when you stepped into GP3, winning it at such a, a young age. And then going up to, to GP2, you can always see that the champions uh, of each year, I understand what you're saying. Um, because of like what Charles Leclerc did and then in, in GP3 he won the title and then immediately in GP2 he won the title and it seems like that's what's expected of people now that's uh, how you get into to Formula 1 so it's two things it's, you got to bring a hell load of dollars with you and uh, the second one is that you've got to be this phenomenon uh, like the Charles Leclerc, like what Stoffel van Dorn did winning the title um, so it's pretty brutal isn't it because it's, it's like one chance yeah. that's it and if you don't uh, make it in that one year that's it then they're going to look at the next kid
1: yeah exactly so that's, that's basically what happened to me which for me is, is extremely hard to swallow because I see these guys in an F1 that I've raced against beaten um, but obviously not to not make it is, is uh, for me is, is, is something that I think about a lot and it it'll would it'll take a while for me to completely get over which is understandable i think um when you work so hard for something and it doesn't really work out and i think you know without trying to sound arrogance or anything like that i think i deserved probably a shot but um you know there's many drivers as well that deserve shots as well but yeah i think you know as as brennan's touched on and and in, in your in your podcast with him you know we, we've we come so we've we've had to come like another yeah. sort of step from 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 new zealand it's it's a pretty pretty big jump financially and obviously from a cultural point of view as well so yeah i guess in the end it didn't happen so uh after 2016 we were i guess things weren't obviously great from a from from my side from a mental point of view um motivation was still there but i guess i was a bit deflated in 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 a
0: lot of ways but that's why i think that's um part of the problem right now with motorsport compared to 20 years ago and and as a fan, watching on TV, it's it's lost a little bit of its sparkle for me just knowing that. You know, I want to see the best drivers in the best cars battling against each other. Sometimes I tune in the Formula One and do question that for some of the guys uh, down the grid because, um, exactly as you explained, there's a lot more to it than uh, just the fastest guy getting the opportunity nowadays. But that's the world we're in. Motorsport's uh, an expensive game now and it's the end result. Yeah, I mean, I've, I guess most teams are struggling,
1: F1 teams, a, a struggling year by year just to get on the grid, so any other income they can get, you know, obviously commercial sponsorship now is really tough. Especially when they started banning cigarette sponsorship, you know. Yeah, obviously. I'm all for. I, th- I say, just bring
0: back cigarettes, <laughs> just for that reason. because I mean, uh, teams would be pretty healthy again. So. It's what motorsport needs. If you're going to get the best drivers uh, in the top class, and if you're going to get the best motorbike riders in the top class of uh, MotoGP. You gotta bring back the cigarette money. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I, <laughs> I, I totally agree. People are still smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And why not put the cool looking uh,
1: marble logos on the side? I mean, obviously the liveries look amazing as well. But you know, teams were so financially secure back then, and they could take punts on drivers. You know, obviously testing was more, they had more budget, so they could do more testing. They could test more drivers. It's, instead of now, you know, the amount of simulator tests I've done with the F1 teams, it's I've done a lot simulator is okay it's, it's don't get me wrong you get an indication but it's not the real thing obviously yeah. um you know once i won G 3 you know you, te- you know you go you expect obviously teams to be coming in and, and you can sort of test you know in the last few years of charles and, and george russell you know they've gone straight from G 3 and, and started testing straight away with f1 teams wow. for me i had to bring like 200 two hundred and fifty thousand euro for a day of testing no you know it's just it's, i don't know where they found that money from but that's what i was sort of up against so you, you just obviously you just screwed. you can't even get in the car you know and you just get leapfrogged by these guys that can you know afford that and and uh unfortunately if you, even if you just got one opportunity in, in the real car just to go look just just Give me something to work with and 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 i'll i'll just try and show you what i've got um but you know a lot of these teams are willing to one there's a big problem because obviously teams are struggling financially there's, there's a lot of actually really decent drives with big budgets so even if you can bring another 10th tenth, to tenths, say half a second they don't you know they, they, they need the financial security from that so yeah. You know, it's not really worth those 2 tenths. It's a big risk for them, is It's a huge it? risk, because yeah.
0: The financial side is, uh, I can't believe the budget in Formula One, these hundreds of millions to, to run the teams. It's, it is unfortunate whenever I grew up uh, in the 90s watching uh, Formula One because there was an Irish team there, Eddie Jordan's uh, F1 team, and that, that was uh, such a great squad because it was uh, a team that was able to win races. They even had a 1-2. And they were beating the mighty teams with a, a fraction of their budget, and that was a golden era for F one. That's when I was a proper fan of it because uh, you tuned in on a Sunday, but and you didn't know who was gonna win. Whereas mm. nowadays it's a little bit more Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull. Uh, yeah. because money talks, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: I mean, if you want, if you want performance in F one, it's just you know that extra mil to ten mil. You can most you just pay for that performance, you know, which is. Uh, yeah. The way it is it's the way it's set up um obviously a lot of people like that to change but obviously if you if you're at the front of f1 you don't want it to change as well if you've got that budget why would you want it to change so yeah it, it's it's i think everyone's got a bit of a love hate relationship with f1 at the moment you know it's obviously sort the pinnacle pinnacle of our sport the cars are faster than ever you know they're breaking lap records everywhere they are really fast cars at the moment um I find them great to watch. Obviously the, the sounds aren't there, what it used to be like, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of the way it's at the moment. So hopefully the new, the new, rigs for them, you can start to see more drivers with that will get the opportunity and, and that, that may not be race seats, but just tests, you yeah. know, just get them in the yeah, get a day it.
0: in the car. It's so on or something that, yeah. that would be cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you're talking about F one. Uh, you're only twenty five, uh, Brendan Hartley. Uh, I remember a few years ago, he thought he told me the to same. He was like, "Yeah, I'm coming to terms with the fact that I didn't get the opportunity in F one. I know I'm not going to. And then lo and behold, he did get the opportunity in Toro Rosso. So hey, never say never. You, you just don't know what could happen in the, the next few years.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You obviously the chance is extremely slim, but you know Brendan's showing that it's. Uh you know these crazy things can happen, so um, I guess we don't really know what Formula e is going to lead to. You know that's going to be the pinnacle of the EV world. You know from a from vertical a point of view, and if you if you won't see anyone crossing over to F one, um, again it's still a very young championship. But I think it would be cool if you do see you know some Formula e guys going to F one. I think it would be a big risk. You know you think. Uh, it's a no-brainer. You know, if you get the opportunity, say if John Eric at the moment, he's won two championships, he gets an opportunity from Torosso, you know, to go back there. You think, oh, it's a no-brainer for him to do it. But, he's earning a lot more money informally than he was in Torosso. He's he's winning, which obviously, from when we're a young kid, that's what we want to do. You know, we, we, we go to the track to win where you know, 80% of the, the drivers in F1 go to a track and they, you know, getting some points is, 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 is great, you know, they don't spray much champagne, which is so wrong. So you lose that instantly. So I think even if you got the opportunity, at least it wasn't like, it. obviously, a, a top team, it'd be very,
0: it'd be very hard to, I think, give up a formula opportunity at the moment. Yeah, you gotta be careful with your career. You gotta make the right choices, don't you? So... F1 is, is the pinnacle, but like you said, whenever things are looking on the up for Formula E, there's a lot of good teams, great drivers, uh, things are looking good. For you, then, whenever you move from uh, GP2 after a lot of years fighting through from moving across to, to live in Europe, then driving GP3, winning and winning the races at GP2, then it must have been a relief. Then, whenever you did go to, to Formula E and uh, that was when you, whenever you became a, a pro racing driver, then suddenly you're getting uh, paid to do your dream. So it must've been a nice moment as well. Absolutely,
1: yeah. I mean, I was uh, in 2015, I did a test with, um, with Porsche LMP1, which was an ma- amazing opportunity. Um, I was really focused on trying to get, um, you know, a, a seat in that, but then they canceled their third car and things got a little bit trickier there. So I, yeah, I was sort of on the ropes for, a for throughout 2016 it was sort of my last hope to just to try and obviously win the championship in gp2 but had a horror year um and it was quite similar to actually to my 2013 year from that point of view um but yeah once once um throughout that year, you know we started speaking with you know with my management obviously we we're thinking about gt cars you know WEC these sort of other championships to try and obviously just to, uh, sort of salvage something from your career, from a, you know, financial point of view and, and obviously not, not to save myself from actually going back home. You know, it was almost a talking point. Um, a pivotal
0: moment then it's like, it was uh, a big moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was, you know, obviously Mark and Anne were, were trying hard to find me something. And, uh, we, you know, I started, Asking them, look, what about Formula? E? Let's, it's I know a lot of guys doing it, they're do, earning some some money. Um, let's just give it a go, you know. You know, obviously, when the the championship first came out, I was a little bit on the fence. I I didn't really know what to expect. I think yeah. it was so new for everyone. Like it was just this whole new sort of era was 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 upon us. And um, obviously, there's a lot of good drivers in there. So I obviously took um, some interest in it. And then. One day I got a call from from Mark and was like, look, um, Jaguar's coming back to motorsport. Obviously, he, he actually raced for Jaguar in F1 back oh, in the yeah. early 2000s. Yeah. And then he said, like, look, Jaguar come back to motorsport and they've, they've brought a Formula E team and they're looking for drivers and um, they want you to do an evaluation for them. I thought, wow, okay, this is interesting. Um, I, was just, I was in such a weird stage of my life. So I was like super open to it, obviously. And went to the test. And I went to, the, my test was at Donington, um, with all the teams. And never been to Donington in my life. And it was, uh, it started off as a bit of a strange day because the car is very different to drive, especially the first genera- generation car that I, I did a test. Um, and, and the team was so new so that was still fun their feet as well with the software side and obviously all the region. It's such a, such a unique car. And then from a driver's point of view, I drove out. Obviously the biggest thing I noticed that the noise is completely gone, which is obviously obvious, but you know, once you actually experience that for the first time, you're like, wow, okay, this is really bizarre. Um, but the whole technique of, of driving the car was like completely different, almost like to restart some of your senses obviously for the lack of noise but just the way you gotta attack the corners because you a lot of weight in the rear you know road tire no downforce so the first like run first two runs of my evaluation i was like wow this is i was way off in terms of pace and i was like crikey this is gonna be uh i'm gonna have to really dig deep now but then fortunately the next like my third run it all clicked to a degree where I was like, you know, relatively on the pace. And I was like, thank goodness, where you know all the teams are there. You know, you've got guys that done a few seasons already, and and uh, a track that I've never been to. So I was like, okay, I'm starting to find my feet now. And, and and fortunately, you know, long story short, I I did enough to convince the guys at Jaguar to to give me a um, to give me a, an opportunity. Um, it's funny, some of the guys running the team at the time. Um, there's an Australian guy called John Russell. So he's he used to uh, he's he's gone back to Oz now, but he, he used to run some teams in Australia, some weird supercar, you know, some engineer as an engineer. And he used to watch me back in two thousand nine when I was racing in, in in the Formula Four Championship. And he yeah. took a shine to me back then, and and I had no idea at the time. But then once you know done a full circle, then he 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 he's the one that pushed me to get in the seat, um, which was amazing. And yeah, it was it was, it was a huge moment when I got the call from them. I don't know exactly where I was. I was, I was racing a Monza that weekend and I was in my hotel room and I got a call from, from, uh, from Gary, uh, the sporting director at Jagger racing. Okay. And he said, yeah, we're going to take you on. And, um, he's, you know, we just send Mark and the contract and everything. And I was just like, it's happening. It's happening, you know? and, and, I was a bit up, you know. I was I was a bit emotional um, at the time. I had my mum with me, and she was super stoked. She she'd know what I've gone through, and and uh, and that's, that was like a life changing moment for me. So huge opportunity. Um, obviously, even more so that the championships has gone leaps and bounds since I signed in two thousand sixteen. Uh, and and sticking with the team, you know, with throughout some rough times, they stuck with me. And obviously now coming through and we're a real contender um and and hopefully gonna be a real contender this this season um yeah it was it was uh, I, I, you know, Jaguar sort of saved my career in, in a way and, and i'll be ever you know forever grateful for that um and i'm at, at this moment in time i'm i couldn't be happier with where i'm at in, in my life um i've been through some good good times some really 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 dark times as well um i was also suffering for five years with chronic fatigue which was which was horrible got got through that and it was at the same time that it was probably connected a bit to my emotions with, with you know how things are going in racing so i got over that and now you know, i moved to monaco um you know I'm, I'm racing for one of the best you know british car manufacturers in the world and and a championship that's making a lot of progress so I'm a, I'm a super happy Kiwi at the moment, um, living a, living a great life over here. So, um, yeah, been through some, as I said, rough times, but, uh, at the moment it's, it's, it's all working out pretty good. So, um, a lot of people to thank for that and she, Mark and Anne, you know, and also my, 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 my parents for sticking with me through some pretty rough times. And, um, now my dad's, my dad was really gutted when I didn't make F 1, you know, my parents were by my side the whole way and my dad has you know some some uh regrets over some of the things that we we did but um in the end you know he he's he's extremely happy with where i'm at now and you know that's that's um that means the world to me so now they're experiencing this with me which is which is which is incredible um they come to a lot of my races so yeah i mean it's it's a pretty brutal sport, so I'm, I'm happy to um, finally turn professional in 2016. And I guess, you know, I, I've listened to most of your podcasts and it's, everyone sort of talks about who's, you know, when do you start, when you, when you classify being professional, I guess, I guess when I came to Europe, you can classify GB3, GB2 as, say, semi-pro. Yeah. I wouldn't say, you know, no one's getting paid, but it's obviously, there's contracts involved, you know, it's, it's, it's at a pretty high level. But yeah, obviously f- officially turning pro in 2016 was, um, was
0: a great moment. So Mark Weber was supporting you through all those years, so uh, what? how was the initial connection made then? Because you were still a kid, there's a, a great photo of you and Mark Weber stood together and you were so young at that stage, at the end of 2011, was it? So what, you were 16, 17? Well, that was that photo, um, was that like in a race suit? Yeah, yeah, Mark
1: stood in uh, his guys whenever he was driving for Red Bull, Red Bull at the time. Yeah. And so that was actually 2009. So that was, that was the year that I went to, Oz, um, to Australia for the Australian Formula Four championship. So our first race was at the um, Grand Prix as a support category. Right. So we had like a 40 grid field. It was mental. Um, and I got on the podium both races. I was second both races. And by chance, I got an opportunity to meet um, Mark. So I, I, obviously, I was, I was 14. I was super young f1 was right there in a support category and i was i was i was racing against guys you know four five years older than me and then i got the chance to meet mark i was with him for about half an hour to chat with him in the f1 paddock which was like i felt like i was in this amazing universe you know there it was it was incredible and then got a tour of he took me you know into his garage showed me the car got that photo taken um left the paddock and then Tried to, I actually tried to get in touch with Mark after that just to thank him for his time because he spent a lot of time and he was, was, was um, and also Anne was, was, was there. And then he got in touch through um, actually a Kiwi legend who, who raced in V8 for many years, Greg Murphy. Right. So Mark got in touch with us. He Obviously he watched a more Ford races, um, I was second, you know, I was obviously super young. So he'd been watching out for And NBA. Do you remember the name Mitch Evans and then? Yeah. An on you? Yeah. And then I, cause he, he did that championship. So he knows how competitive it is. Yeah. Uh, and then I got second that year in, in the season. Um, the last, I'd say the last quarter of the championship, I, I, won a lot of races. I sort of really found my feet in the championship. I won, I was like six, six, seven races. It was, it was, it was great. And then, um, then he got in touch with us, 2010. And I did Australian for more as a bit, of a bit of a year, just get used to wings and slicks. Um, and then I signed with him end of 2010.
0: And he wasn't managing any drivers then? Was no, he? so he's, oh.
1: he's, he's managed no one. So, uh, and, and so even to this day, true. I'm the only one he manages. So I don't know if I've put him off managing <laughs> other drivers or not, but uh, so I signed with, yeah, signed with Mark in 2010 and then the, so the deal was he was he, he he helped me financially to to come over i raced with his obviously with his with his uh, gp3 team so obviously to reward him with that championship in 2012 was amazing um, and we've had some obviously great times together on and off track living with him you know at the time i was sort of almost it took me actually a few years to even get used to being around him because for many years when I was growing up, um, you know, in go-karts, he was the only only guy from our part of the world in F one. Yeah. So I'd always obviously look out for him. Most of the time he was not in a car to win until he obviously got into Red Bull and after O nine they they got into a really competitive position to obviously start winning. But um yeah, he was he was actually a bit of a hero to me and, and was like I think for a lot of Australasians to actually be like, wow, it's actually possible from our part of the world. Yeah, and obviously when you when you know Mark's story, it was was it's an incredible story his one. So he he knows how to make it on basically no money and and through pure determination and and and, and just grits and um, perseverance and everything. And I think he probably saw a bit a bit of me and him. And That's what um you know, gave him the urge to, to, to support someone from Australasia. I don't know why it was not Australian, to be honest. Um, I guess maybe didn't, there was no one at the time that was looking to go to F1 and showed some sort of potential. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a massive opportunity. I actually had two op- options to come to Europe. I had one option to go and actually uh, sign with Mark and actually had not, another option. I did a test with Ferrari for their um, junior program. Um, and they offered me a contract as well. So I weighed up, I was, you know, obviously had these, both these contracts on the table and, um, between, you know, the people that were sort of guiding me and and obviously my dad was the biggest leader in that, um, we opted to go with Mark and, uh, yeah. So a pretty, pretty crazy, um, journey and obviously a, a mental opportunity at that time in my life where. At the time i thought it was just a bit of a meet and greet and it just shows you know that, that, that things can can happen for the, mo- for the most strange reasons and i don't even know if for that time he was even thinking about it maybe
0: it sparked it after that i've actually not even asked him so <laughs> yeah. uh, it's funny how a chance meeting like that you just never know what can happen but that is such a nice thing for mark to do because like you said he had such a a tough time breaking through in his career as well so like you said he saw a young kid as well and massive potential but not easy making it in a motorsport. And that was, he just did that out of the goodness of his heart. So yes. you know what, I'm going to help you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be in, in, in forever debt to him from, hopefully not financially, but... Um, <laughs> but yeah. Buy him a few beers. <laughs> yeah, but uh, just for his, obviously for the opportunity uh, and taking that risk on me. You know, that's, for, for, for me being in the position now, it's like, that must have been it can't be easy for someone to actually make you think okay he's got loads of money blah blah he's at a pinnacle of his career you know it's fine but he's invested his own money that he's risked his life for and if one to obviously invest in me and you know that, that's pretty wild so um now we're both living in in monaco you know we're obviously very good friends we're almost like brothers but um we've got a great relationship and um yeah for sure there was there was times where it was where it was not amazing that was probably in those gb 2 years where i was we we're all sort of in limbo mode and we didn't really know what to do because things were looking pretty good at one stage so um yeah but he, he sucked by me and and uh as i said i'll be for, forever grateful for his trust and belief that he's um given me and now we're sharing this opportunity and, and this experience in formula e he was there for my first win in rome no. actually he was there for my first for my for my pole in, in zurich and in season four, and then he was there for my first win. He just came, in it did he? Just came literally to support me, which was amazing. Um, and yeah, so obviously those little those little things for me mean so much, you know. And he was sitting next to my dad the whole race, so those little things for me just make it so much sweeter, you know. Obviously, I do this a lot for myself, from a you know to stimulate myself. You know, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. I wanna I wanna win, um, but when I win, I feel like you know it's not just not just me and my little team. You know, I've got my my parents, all my supporters that are financially supporting me from back home. Obviously, Mark and Anne, um, you know, and that's that's incredible. So I would love I would love to reward everyone, including Jagger, with a with a you know with a, um you know championship and formally e. that would be the next big big uh, box to
0: stick in my in my life it's true what you said though whenever i think about the times that i've been standing on top of the podium and whenever you're watching on tv i guess people just see the, the driver or, or rider standing there on the top of the podium with a big smile on their face and so so happy with themselves but it, it's true a lot of the time when you're stood up there you're, you're just so happy because you've rewarded everybody that's believed in you everybody that's invested time money and really believed in you so those moments, it's not just about yourself, is it? It's just like you said, that photo of you and Mark Webber was ten years ago. So he's invested a decade of his life into bringing you to the stage. So standing up there on top of the podium in Rome, uh, that's not just for you, then. That's for everybody. Hundred percent.
1: You know, it, even when you go back further to go karts, you know, obviously go karts is brutal for families. You know, the time, the time, and and I guess you can't, you can't buy time. So that's the most precious thing in life. So, to you know, for your for your parents, for everyone to invest that you you you'd be sick at the actual the amount of time that someone's actually spent on you in terms of trying to create a career for you, which my, which my dad has and my my mum and dad have. So, you know, that for me makes it ten times better. Um, you know, obviously, I want to yeah, as I said, I want to win for myself, but for me, they're they're literally in my back the whole way. So they're, and and I I, I love to reward them with that. So uh, hopefully many more, um, you know, opportunities um, to, to, to be able to, you know, give them that, that feeling. And, and I think obviously the next big thing for me to tick off is,
0: is a championship in, in Fung and then we see where that takes me. And I think this could be a really great year for you. Like you said, you're a happy driver and a happy driver is a fast driver we were talking earlier about in GP two in that final year in there because you put so much pressure on yourself. It was like this is it. This is my. I need to win this uh, title. If we're going to break through to Formula One, and that was your, your worst season in GP two. So it's it's clear. You know, whenever there's too much pressure on a driver, things don't happen. And you've just been progressively getting better in uh, Formula E. You stayed with the same team. You've got team. You've got the continuity there. So I'm looking forward to the first round uh, in November. Uh, be good to see you up there consistently. But such a good show to watch. Uh, I don't know how you, you go about uh, trying to win a, a championship like that because it's not like an hour game where you can be like, yeah, as long as I'm on the podium every weekend and a few wins here and there, I can be champion. Formula E, sometimes you got to be taking those fifths and sixths because there's so many uh, great drivers out there. So hopefully you have a good one. Um, looking forward to watching the first round. Thanks,
1: mate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I think I think the season's going to be exactly the same as, as last year from a, how competitive it's going to be. Unpredictable. Um, but, you know, we, we just need to start off strong. And we did that last year. We had a bit of a different performance, but we came back strong and finished off strong. So we need to carry that momentum into, into the first round. Um, but I guess the you know, the guys are working so hard in the background. So we're, we're trying to do our homework. So we're prepared. Um, but obviously, the, probably the, one of the biggest things is, is just qualifying well. And then uh, trying to be smart, trust in, in, in instincts. I think that's the biggest thing for us. Um, not to overthink it and um as long as as long as you do that put your best foot forward um be honest to yourself even if you don't have to tell anyone but be honest to yourself then that's all you can do at the end of the day then the results will take care of
0: themselves now i have to try and make the decision though with the fan boost there's so many drivers from monaco who the hell did I choose to give the, the boost well Stoffel got it
1: every race last year I think really? so
0: um yeah alright I'll see it towards please. Mitch Evans then. yeah, yeah. I, 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 need, I need the help
1: I've never had it mate so it just shows you so uh <laughs> I don't know if people just don't like me or what it is but um if you can give me uh, a bit of uh, moral support that'd be nice
0: alright everybody who's listening to this podcast then first round, Mitch Evans give him the button boost please thank you I need <laughs>
1: I need the help
0: <laughs> you'll be fine alright Mitch thanks for that Uh, I've enjoyed talking with you so uh, we'll call it there cheers thanks
1: guys hope everyone else
0: that's listening
1: enjoys it as well so uh, see you on track
0: nice one